1: the following is a ca original the mighty sound of the south tailgating on tiger lane tom three at the liberty bowl each one a memphis football tradition this is the tiger football podcast what's happening tiger football fans we are back for another edition of the tiger football podcast i'm mark giannato the columnist at the commercial appeal i'm joined by evan barnes our tiger football beat writer it has been an eventful week in Memphis football. (laughs) Mike Norvell is staying. Daryl Henderson is leaving, but leaving with uh, a lofty honor. And uh, the Birmingham bowl is less than two weeks away. Um, But let's start with the news of the day. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, or excuse me, Wednesday afternoon, right after Daryl Henderson announced officially that he is going to forego his senior year and uh, enter into the NFL draft. Um, he also, it's coming off, uh, I believe last night we found out that he is the first ever unanimous all American, excuse me, found out today, I guess Yeah, that he is the first ever unanimous all American in Memphis football history. It means he got on first team all American on the five major all American teams. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. We We're not quite sure yet if he's going to play in the Birmingham bowl or not, I would lean towards. He's probably not going to considering he announced today, but I don't know if we've gotten an official word on that yet, but Evan, just, uh, what do you make of his decision? What do you think? Do you, you think? I think it was the right call. What do you think?
0: Absolutely the right call. I mean, he, he put together the best all around season in Memphis history. Let's just put it there. He led the nation in all purpose yards, total touchdowns. He broke the single season school record in both categories. He tied D'Angelo Williams, single season record for rushing touchdowns. This was a no brainer decision. I think we all suspected it. We talked about it on this podcast and um, all you can say is just, you know, congratulate him and be, and you know, wish him well. I mean, how's this for Memphis in back-to-back seasons, they've had two all American players that are going to rank highly in their school's history. And I think it speaks to just the last five years, how this program has risen so well that now you're having players recognized nationally and not just the team. So this decision obviously by Henderson is a no brainer. And I think uh, it'll be fun to see now what he does in the NFL. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer just because it's, I don't think Daryl is going to be a, like a super high draft pick. Like he's not going to go in the first round. I don't think No. I would honestly be surprised if he goes in the second round. It would be pleasantly surprised um, because I do think he has for the next level, some limitations because of his size, because of some questions about his durability because of you know he's not the most shifty running back he's fast straight line and he's a good receiver those things will both help he's a decent blocker mm-hmm. as well those things are all going to help and if he runs a, a really good I think he has the capability of running a really good 40 time and maybe that could push him into the second round um but just in terms of being an every down back at the NFL I think there are going to be still some questions moving forward but in terms of like what could he do to to improve his stock by coming back next year. I mean, he had such a unbelievable season this year. I don't know how he would be able to match it. There'd be so many expectations. So this just seemed like the move he had to make.
0: No. And honestly, you know, looking at the team next year, you're going to lose three offensive linemen. Um, the offensive line is going to be different. So unless he rushes for over 2000 yards again, which is highly unlikely, um, like we said, it's clear, go get pro, go pro, get your money. And now let's see what it does. I think in the NFL too, what's interesting is we don't really have too many every down backs anymore. You see a lot of split mm-hmm. carries. You see a lot of guys who are That's put true. out in the slot. So I think,
1: well, I certainly think he's a guy who can play in the NFL. Yeah. I, I just think there are some things that are going to limit his, him getting drafted really high.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that. And I'd be curious to see if some team takes him, how they would use him, use him as a receiver maybe a kick returner because he did that before um maybe you know splitting cares with somebody else so I think the way Memphis has used him will serve him well for how the NFL could use him just using him all over the field without overburdening him
1: yeah it'll be uh it'll be fascinating to see how this all and I'll, I'll be interested to see I mean last week I said I thought he might play in the Birmingham Bowl I mean the pros and cons of playing in the Birmingham Bowl the pro is he has a chance to break all of D'Angelo Williams' single season records. And it sounds like you've talked to some of his family members. That's something that, you know, he actually is interested in. But I feel like once the agents get involved and, you know, the fact that he's announcing this now, you know, before they really get into serious bowl prep suggests to me that he is uh, not going to play in that Birmingham bowl. And I think there is what you gain in breaking those records to me, doesn't equal what you could lose if, say, you you know, hurt your knee or something like that in that game. In a game where it's not like it's the P- the Fiesta Bowl, it's the Birmingham Bowl,
0: right? And last year, you you know, you saw this. Anthony Miller got hurt in that game, and who knows how that may have affected him being you know second round, maybe it could have been a first round pick. I don't know, but and Henderson didn't play in the bowl last year, so I mean, honestly, there are some risks. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Daryl's look. Daryl Henderson is the leading rusher at his high school. He's has a chance to be the leading single season rusher if he plays, but honestly looking at the big picture here, GoPro. I mean, I keep saying that cause it sounds obvious, but it's like, you know, if he plays cool, if he doesn't Memphis will stand and applaud him anyway, because honestly, like you said, what more can he do? Could he have had 2000 yards this year? Probably. But I think 19, what is it? 1909. is not a bad number to have. And your Heisman trophy vote, you got votes for the Heisman, your finals for the Doak Walker award. I mean,
1: yeah, that's know? also, yeah, by the way, he, you know, he got <laughs> robbed in that Doke Walker thing. He was robbed I mean, without a
0: gun. I mean, phew, blatant
1: robbery. Yeah, I wonder what, I wonder how the Atlanta PD investigation's going right now. Um, <laughs> that was just brutal. I mean, I could not, be, not, it's not that I couldn't believe it because, you know, the, the, the diehard Memphis fans, I think, were bracing for it because these Power Five teams always seem to get the benefit of the doubt. But like, as someone who watched Jonathan Taylor, a decent amount because he's in the big 10 and I watch Michigan like he was better last year than he was this year he just had a lot of yards and a lot of carries and it just seemed like the voters just were like oh he's got more yards uh, he's, he's the leading rusher in yards we'll vote him and it's just it was a shame because Daryl was the best running back in the country this I, would, year.
0: I would say so and I'd be curious how many people put their votes in before the AAC championship game because if you saw that first half
1: he was the best player on. The- Even if you put your votes in before the AAC championship game, it was, you know.
0: No, I agree. I agree. Bad. I mean, he had, what, a, over 160 yards against Houston. So he should have been in the that AAC title game, I thought, should have solidified him. But, you know, most of these voters probably are biased. I mean, Wisconsin's got a hold on that award the last few years. But we know who the best running back in the country is. And he wears number eight
1: for Memphis. Yeah. And uh, so while Daryl is leaving, Mike Norvell... Sort of, I don't know how you would phrase it. I I would say you're welcome Memphis fans, because apparently my tweet agitated him enough that he decided to just uh, announce that he is, uh, he is, he is staying at Memphis. He's not looking at any other job. Um, No. In, in all honesty, I think Mike, some people have come to me after, after the fact. So if you, if you weren't following along on Twitter, he tweeted something along the lines after Memphis lost Kenny Dillingham and And, uh, and Chris ball, Ball, he tweeted kind of a reassuring message saying, you know, you know, they're, they're building something here. And, and, and it was, it was the sort of tweet and I, and I thought this, and then I tweeted it that I was like, you don't tweet that unless you're planning to come back. And that's what I tweeted over his tweet. I quote tweeted it and that popped up on Mike's phone. And so he decided to respond and made it crystal clear (laughs) that he is coming back. Um, and from what I understand, Kansas state approached him. He talked, they had a discussion and Mike basically said, I'm happy at Memphis. Like, I don't think Kansas state was the job he wanted. Um, and I think that was the smart move by him, um, because he's got a decent amount coming back here. That's not that great of a job. Um, and he can be patient. Because if he thinks he's going to be good next year, there's probably going to be a better job next year or the year after that, whenever, how, whenever that day comes. But, um, it was a pretty fun day, fun afternoon <laughs> there, um, with Mike Norvell clapping back at me. Um, and can then he actually sent me a text message as he did it <laughs> saying, there's your reply. Um,
0: <laughs> can we, can we call it the best clapback a Memphis coach has ever done on Twitter?
1: I mean, it was, I, I tweeted this, it was, that's probably the peak of my Twitter career, uh, you know, being involved in that, that was, uh, you know, I even got in a Calkins column on the, uh, the yeah. other site, you know, um, but, um, no, it was, uh, it was fascinating and it's, it's, I mean, it's huge for Memphis football having him back. I mean, yes, losing Kenny Dillingham was a blow, um, to Auburn, but Mike is the straw that stirs this drink. And he's shown over the past um, five five years, four three four. years. Yeah. I mean, three. He can hire really well. I mean, look at all these guys who this coaching tree he started. All these guys who have you know Notre Dame took uh, Chip Long. Chip Long last year. You had Georgia, Auburn. You know uh, Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Tennessee. They're all trying to get a hold of this magic that Mike has, and what I would tell them and what I would, you know, my thing would be is like, I think the magic is with Mike, you know, like magic, magic, Mike, (laughs) but not that, you know, but as a football coach. Um, and so that's, it's just huge for Memphis for, you know, moving forward and like, you know, yes, it's a big, it's a tall task to replace both your coordinators in one off season. That doesn't happen very often, but if there's one guy, you know, I mean, I, I would trust Mike to do, be able to do it. I mean, I think he know, and he knows what he's looking for. And um, yeah. So I think I, he hires the best people. Yeah. You got the the most important guy is coming back. That's, that was the key in all this. Um, so I, I'm curious, what would you, you know, if you're Mike, what are you looking for in a new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator, Evan?
0: I'll start with offensive coordinator. I think he would want someone who can um, probably who's young, who he can groom a little bit, because obviously he's done a great job with, with uh, Kenny Dillingham grooming him the last few years. But for an OC, I think I would want someone who's going to just fit in line with his vision, who cares about um, raising good young men. Cause that's obviously something he really talks a lot about is he wants people that are good mentors, good men who are going to care about these guys as individuals and players. So I would say, get somebody who's going to keep the fun going with this offense. Obviously, they're going to just, you know, advise him on everything. But I, like you said, I think this is Mike show, so it's not necessarily someone who's going to be a, a superstar who's going to challenge him in some way, but it'll be someone who can push him and try to, you know, expand kind of what he's doing or just execute his vision, I think.
1: See, I'd like to see him on offense. I'd like to see him get a Daryl Dickey type person, an experienced coach who who's going to be able to just be a check on him, you know, like I think, but, you know, Mike, Mike is the play caller. And I would just like to see someone who's been through a lot of different things who Mike can kind of bounce ideas off of. That's sort of what Will Hall was on this staff, a more a guy who, a guy, basically a guy who's called plays before, but maybe isn't, you know, maybe isn't on the career track of trying to be a head coach, you know, necessarily, like, just like an old head, so to speak. <laughs> like uh, that, That's what I, because they have enough recruiters on the staff. Right, right. You know, and Mike, obviously, I mean, he's proven over the last couple of years, he is, you know, one of, if not the best, you know, one of the best and brightest offensive minds in the country. Um, and I just would like to see someone who he can kind of, who he can go to for some guidance when he needs some. Um, you know, I, I just want, you know, the more of a, you know, like I said, an old head, someone who's, who's been through a lot of battles, so to speak. Um, and, and I think Daryl Dickey was great in that regard. Um, and then, you know, cause the other interesting thing is, you know, Mike has a big role with the quarterbacks. And so I'm curious if this person he hires as an OC, like, and also does he, does he promote Ryan Silverfield? because Silverfield's gotten a bunch of offers. Um, he's, you know, and then Mike honestly can handle the quarterbacks um, himself, or he can hire a young quarterback coach to help him. You know, cause Mike, like I said, Mike's always, it is what he told me in the, in August when I was following around Kenny Dillingham for that story. He always is going to have a big role with the quarterbacks. That's just who he is. It's how he's come up. Um, and it's just going to be like that. So maybe you, you know, you promote Silverfield and then you bring in a quarterbacks coach. Um, Maybe that's the way he does it because, you know, Silverfield has done it. I mean, you look at this offensive line this year, look at his recruiting, um, and he's turned down some jobs to stay here. Maybe he's he's the answer there at OC. Right, and Silverfield Um,
0: has that experience. He's been around for a while. He's coached for over, you know, 20-plus years, he told us the other day. So, I mean – it would, make, it would make sense, but the only question is, would Silverfield want to give up being the offensive line coach? Or oh, he-
1: I think he could still coach the O-line. I mean, you could still coach the O-line, but, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you bring in another. You know, he can still have his hand in there, um, but it'll be interesting to see what Mike does, and then defensively, you know, I mean, I think Chris Ball probably didn't get enough credit as, like, a leader of men. You know, like, yes, I think people have been frustrated by the defense at times and Mm. including in this room. Um, and you know, statistically it hasn't been pretty at times and in the AAC championship, it wasn't pretty, but I do think again, he was that old head who Mike really could rely on and, and defensively here at Memphis. Like, let's be just honest. Like Mike, isn't that involved on the defensive side of the ball. He needs someone at that coordinator position who can really lead a unit. Um, And so it'll be fascinating to see what he chooses there, who he goes after, because obviously there is some room for improvement on that defense. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Mike plays a style that is not conducive to, you know, you know, a defense just, you know, it's, it's not a style that plays into the defense, you know, it's, you know, with this up tempo and, you know, so many plays, the, the amount of plays he plays, um, it's not a, like, I don't know if you're ever going to rank really highly in total defense playing, you know, coaching at Memphis because Memphis, there's a lot more plays in every game with the style Mike plays. So I'll be, right. it's going to be really interesting who he ends up identifying because if he makes the right hire, like if they can improve defensively, I think they could be really good next year.
0: I think so, because already this unit has a habit of forcing turnovers. We know that under Chris Ball. So if you get somebody who has a similar style, can maybe change up some scheme a little bit, but can also get these guys to buy in right away, I think with the guys coming back, there's a chance that this could be a really good unit. But I think, for me at least, like I said, I think somebody who is similar to Chris Ball in the sense of, they want to force turnovers. They get, They want guys to be as aggressive because this unit is so um, used to that over the last few years. So I think if you get— Well,
1: there could be an argument to be said they should get someone who's going to take them out of their comfort zone because what they've done the past few years hasn't been the most successful thing that going.
0: Right. I mean like a foundation. Like the foundation of forcing turnovers, yes, but obviously add a little bit more because obviously, you know, new system, guys need get shaken up. I think it'll work
1: too. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. And then now, I mean, we've got we're we're a week away from signing day. It's really like it was funny. Like this championship game ended, and now it just seems like everything sped up with the football program. It's pretty amazing. Um, and uh, it looks like they have a pre a better recruiting class than last year. Take us take us through, Evan. You know, we're a week away from sign day. Just what this what this signing class looks like. What are they? You know, what's what are kind of the strengths of it.
0: Sure. So right now Memphis's class is ranked 58th in the nation. It's probably, it's, I think a little bit lower than what their highest was, but of their class, an overwhelming majority of them are three stars. And I wrote something about how this class could be in terms of just how many three stars they get the best class in Memphis history, just because of who they're getting and whatnot. So one of the things that, um, that Mike told us he's looking for is O-line help. Cause obviously they're losing three linemen this year. And he also is looking at defensive back. So, um, obviously one guy that stands out on this list, um, nationally is Cole Mashburn. whose older brother. Cade is, um, a linebacker on the team. He's the highest ranked recruit on this group. He's a defensive end. Um, he's aggressive. He plays really hard. Um, obviously locally, you look at someone like a Travis Hopper who had a really good year for central, uh, Cameron Baker, a Germantown who people are really high on as re- at receiver. And let's be honest, uh, Memphis has a lot of skill position guys who've come in the last few years, but they could use a little bit more depth at receiver. Um, I'm I'm impressed with just how well this class has recruited Nashville. There's three Nashville guys in this group. Um we talked about Ryan Silverfield's recruiting. Two years ago, he was able to get Obina Easy and TJ Carter from Nashville. Now he's got two kids from um Hillsborough High School, Joseph Honeysucker, a defensive end slash linebacker, uh Jossie Madison, who's a athlete who can play both sides of the ball. And they also just got this kid, Deshaun Watkins, who is a three-star athlete who was had offers from sec schools, So this class is turning into a pretty solid class. It'll be interesting how many they keep, obviously with this coaching turnover, but from what I've been told, they plan on signing all these guys next week. So next Wednesday, while we're all in Birmingham, it could be a really, uh, good look ahead for what 2020, 2019 holds
1: and I think that's a, it's a position. Mike is in an advantageous position in the sense that Chris Ball was a pretty good recruiter. Kenny Dillingham was a good recruiter, but he's got other good recruiters on his staff. He doesn't necessarily need to, like he can really focus in on who's going to be the best fit X's and O's wise and, and sort of uh, culturally for this program, um, rather than saying, I need to go get a player getter or something like that. He's got some of those on his staff already. Right. So that's a, that's an advantageous position for him. And then, You know, we haven't, you know, we'll, we'll wait to talk about Wake Forest because, you know, there's just so much going on. And honestly, like, I don't even think they've, they, I'm curious how Mike is going to balance all this from what I understand. um, Chris Ball is going to coach in the bowl game, but Kenny Dillingham will not, Um, you know, and so Mike will probably handle more responsibilities offensively as a result of that. Um, but yet yeah, from what I understand, ball will coach in this bowl game, um, and then go on to Northern Arizona and, and take on the head coaching duties there. Um, but it's, uh, it's a really fascinating time for Memphis football. I think overall, yes, you lose, it's funny, you lose both coordinators and your best, you know, your best player in like a 72 hour span. And yet I would argue things are looking as bright or brighter as ever for this program because Mike is coming back you've got this foundation and this trust in what's going on here that has to make you feel good about the future now i think it could be even better if mike can win his first bowl game i think that will you know that that will send you into the off season feeling really good But even if they don't, even, you know, like, honestly, now you have a built-in excuse. There's been a lot of, uh, it's been chaotic in a sense for this program. And I wouldn't, you know, if they lay an egg in the bowl game, so be it. Uh, You know, the fact that Mike is going to be back is the most important thing.
0: Right. And let's be honest. We saw what this team was after they lost to Missouri. They were four and four. They're still going to have an eight-win season. If they lose, they win. It's a nine-win season. I mean, all these considered, I'd say this is a pretty good place to be. And there's hope and optimism now, but. You know, we'll see what happens the next week.
1: All right. Well, uh, we will be back next week. Um, we'll probably talk next Tuesday before you go down to Birmingham, Evan. And, uh, it'll be interesting. Hopefully they won't lose any more coaches between now and then we will certainly be here They're not. You know, we're not leaving the commercial appeal guys. Don't worry about we, it. We
0: have not had any interviews for other jobs. Don't worry.
1: Yeah. Auburn hasn't called me yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, till next week I was Mark. This was Evan. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production
0: of the Commercial Appeal.